We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Budweiser's weekday sports beat rolls into the Brian Driscoll segment. It is 5.30 on Monday, and that means Brian Driscoll from irishbreakdown.com as we continue to talk more Notre Dame football. I don't know about you, Brian, but it's kind of seemed like forever and forever and forever, not really knowing the exact date training camp was going to start, especially we kind of had an idea of, you know, of when it was going to start. But now it's like, boom. It is here, and it's uh, got a got a, got a little different energy right now. Yeah. I think I don't know about yeah. you. Yeah, it just doesn't seem to have sort of the same buzz as the past, which is kind. Of, I'm not sure why. Um, yeah, I really don't know why. But maybe that'll change once we actually get to see some guys playing and performing. And maybe so. Yeah, maybe that'd so. Nice. That'd be nice. Well, camp does start saturday and we'll get 30 minutes of practice to you know to to watch before getting to you know a full practice next week so what do you think are the i mean we know some of the top things i was just talking about the quarterbacks but some of the top things that that you're looking for early on in training camp brian i want to see how the offensive line shakes out you know i mean at the very beginning who's going to play where Right. I don't even know if we necessarily know the answer to that just yet. You know, Jarrett Patterson, I think he's going to be back at center, but you know, does that does that does that hold true throughout spring? I mean, do they do they move around? Do they tinker with it? Are they going to kind of spend the first half of fall camp moving guys around like they did in the spring? Or are they going to say, hey, look, it's time to start you know battling? There's just so many you know so many different things that are just uncertain about who's going to line up where. I mean, we kind of know who the tackles are going to be. Right. I feel like we know who the center is going to be. But how much of that's going to change? And so that's an interesting one. And then, of course, for me offensively, I just want to see what they're going to do. Is this going to be sort of the, basically the same offense we saw last year? Or are they going to you know, really kind of make the, the adjustments and recall changes and shifts in emphasis that I think are needed to, to really take this offense to the next step? Or is it just going to be some minor tweaks here and there just because the personnel is a little bit different? So I think, to me, those, those are the two that I'm really, really most curious about. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So the offensive line, and I was thinking about this earlier today, because if Patterson does end up at center, it's really a ripple effect, you know, for, for the most part on, on how it affects the other guys. You said we, we feel like we know who the tackles are. I'm assuming you're, you're thinking the freshman Fisher on the left and, and Lug mm-hmm. on the right. Is that mm-hmm. Am I right yes, with sir. you so far? Okay. Yes, sir. So if Patterson is at center, Kane Madden, the grad transfer from Marshall, is he right guard? Is he? Wh- what do you think happens with the two guards? I mean, that's the thing I'm trying to figure out. I've heard some people have told me he's going to play left guard. I've had others tell me he's going to be a right guard. I, I personally would leave him a right guard because that's where you know he can play. Uh, the, the, the thought could be maybe you put him on the left side because you've got your big mauling left tackle, but – I mean, my big knock on Cade Madden is he's just not a really athletic guy. I don't want a guy that's not overly athletic on either of the blind side of the quarterback because the other part of that, too, is is there's – there's I mean, as a former quarterback, the left guard, depending on where you're reading, is kind of to your blind side as well. And I don't know if I want a true freshman and a guy that I don't view as a great pass blocker both being on the left side of the offensive line. It just doesn't seem like it would make a lot of sense to me. That's just my personal opinion. And then also – Kane Madden's been a right-handed player for the last three years. Why mess with that? Yeah, you know, what I mean, that's kind of what he knows. So let him comfortably slide in, it slide in, and then you could say, "Hey, look, you've got two veterans on the right side of your line, plus you know you've got Jarrett Patterson at center. So at the very least, you've, you know, if Kane Madden is as good as the Notre Dame coaching staff, I think hopes and thinks he'll be, your your right side's solidified, and then you just worry about figuring out the left side. So that's what I would do, but. Again, that's kind of what where, why it's such a question mark is that may seem like it makes sense to me, but maybe it doesn't make sense to them, and they move him to left guard and put Zeke Carell at right guard, or John Dirksen may be that guy. Is Rocco Spindler going to be in the competition in this fall like he was in the spring? Mm-hmm. That's kind of where it starts getting really interesting about how it's all going to shake out. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing is, you know, Zeke Carell more than held his own there at the end. Of, you know, he was good against – Alabama he got to play in what two or three games there through mm-hmm. there at the end when when Patterson w- was injured and, and he was in there at center so you know, that's it, it seems like he could you know end up be he it sounds like he's probably going to be the odd man out unless they do think about him at one of the guard positions if Patterson's well, back at center I, I believe he's going to be he's going to get a crack at guard based okay. on the, the, the sources I've talked to I do think he's going to get a crack at guard and and from what I was told and we reported this on our, our message board here when it first launched a couple weeks ago. Uh, what I had been told from my sources was Patterson was, in fact, going to play center, and then Zeke Carell was actually going to get an opportunity to battle a guard, you know, just because there are some advantages to having Zeke at guard as opposed to center mm-hmm. having to do with his size, you know, where if you know, an undersized guy, because Zeke's not real big and he's not real long, he's a pretty, pretty tough and strong kid, but he's just a little lighter than you'd like a guy to be. If he's trying to block one-handed, and by one-handed I mean as a center, you've 
lot of a lot of the blocking you do, especially right at the snap, is one-handed because your other hand is snapping the football. And so if you're a little bit lighter, that can create some problems of just maybe getting not backed or, or, or when you do engage, not being able to get the kind of the push that you'd like to get if things happen kind of immediately. Where a guard, he can kind of come off, he can be athletic, he can use both hands, and he can then move people. So, there, you know, that's an argument you could make of, you know, putting him a guard and then allowing your your all-American caliber center to just stay there and then be the quarterback of the offensive line. So I think there's some merit to it, but is it going to be a real shot to start or not? Is it going to be right, left? I mean, there's all those types of questions. I I think Zeke has earned a shot to be a starter. And the fact that they moved him from guard, from center to guard, if that intel is in fact correct, and again, we won't know until we see it when they get on the field, Sure, it tells me that they do in fact view Zeke as someone who needs to start. They're just trying to figure out, okay, we think we know who our best five are going to be, but where should that best five, where, where, where should they line up to make sure that we're getting the most out of that best mm-hmm. five? I think that's the question that they're trying to figure out. Right. He's Brian Driscoll from irishbreakdown.com. So again, I was talking about the quarterbacks in the first segment and Brian Kelly didn't name a starter after the spring. We are 34 days away from the season opener as of today. So how soon, how, how soon does a starter need to be named? How soon do you think he will name the starter? I don't think a starter has to be named to us until the day of the Florida State game. Okay. I mean, for, for, for us, it doesn't matter. Where it matters is when does the team know who the starter is? Yeah. That, that's what matters to me. And, and what I mean by that is, is he could say it's a quarterback battle and all those kind of things all the way up until September 4th for all I care. I mean, if anything, from a media standpoint, it's good for us because it gives us something to keep talking about when we're not able to view practice. But practically speaking, which is what I think people care more about, I think you need to know in the first half of fall camp, the team needs to know, okay, that's our leader. That's our guy. Mm -hmm. That's the guy that we've got to rally around. That's part of it. And then the second part of it is you need to figure out who your starter is because whether it's Drew Pine or Jack Cohn or Tyler Buckner – None of those guys are going to have a, a, a loads of experience playing with those receivers as, you know, the first team. Because even in the spring game, they were kind of split between, you know, white team and blue team. You know, they were kind of splitting reps. No quarterback got the, the, the big volume of the reps to really build that relationship with those receivers. That's okay in the spring. That's a matter of fact, that's how it should be in the spring. But once you get to fall, you need to start figuring that out so you can start upping the reps and upping the volume. So Jack Cohn, if he's a starter, has – more and more time to get on the same page with Brayden Lindsay and Kevin Austin and Avery Davis and Michael Mayer and Xavier Watts and all those guys. Or if it's Drew Pine, he can do the same thing. If it's Tyler Buckner, he can do the same thing. If it's Brendan Clark, he can do the same thing. So I think the team needs to know sooner rather than later, but you also, Sean, can't force the issue. Somebody has to win the job. Right. That's the other thing. And you, you shouldn't arbitrarily say, hey, we got to decide by practice 10. But what if by practice 10, no one's actually sees the job? And that could be a good or a bad thing. It could be that you're all playing so good that we're having a hard time figuring out it. It could be that nobody's grabbed it. Yeah. So I, I think you have to have an, a goal, but then also be open enough to the, you know, sort of the, the, the information that's actually coming out to say, okay, we, this is our goal, but we're just not ready yet. I, I, and it, it can be a challenge to figure that out. So what do you do? We've talked about, you know, possible uh, package for, for Tyler Buckner the freshman and and the need to try to get him on the field is it what what do you do with his reps how do how do you split that up to get him in there that for me would go along the same lot the same time frame as the quarterback battle itself and essentially 
you kind of start the fall camp where all four guys are going to get some level of an opportunity. Now, it's almost impossible in the fall to give four quarterbacks equal opportunity. That's just almost impossible. Mm -hmm. And still make sure that your team can be cohesive with whoever the starter is. So, I mean, if we're honest about it, it's hard to do. But, you know, let's say you come out early in fall camp and Tyler Buckner does well enough to say, hey, look, he still deserves to be in the conversation. Well, then you just let him run the offense and battle for the starting job. The minute it re- it gets down to, okay, he's not really in it anymore. It's now about Jack and Drew and Brendan or just Jack and Brendan or just Jack and Drew, whatever that combination is. Once he is at the point now where you know he's not going to be the starter, that's when you start saying, okay, let's go work on this part over here because we think you can help us over here. But if you do that right away, then you're kind of taken away from his ability to battle for the starting job. So I think there's there's kind of has to those those two things kind of have to run together at point at some point and then when you realize that it then it kind of breaks off and then you kind of get your your plan because because honestly Sean I could see a scenario in which Drew Pine is technically the backup to Jack Cohn if if Jack Cohn wins a starting job so mm-hmm. let's just work with that assumption okay and and yet Tyler Buckner plays more early meaning you know he's the guy that has that package but when they get in the end of the game and they kind of have the mop up time or if Jack Cohn goes down it wouldn't be Tyler Buckner that comes in it would actually be Drew Pine so Drew Pine is the backup but but Tyler Buckner has you know whatever role that we hope or think that he may have and then that's not a given that he'll even be that or do that but if he earns that opportunity it doesn't mean that he's now necessarily the number 2 quarterback you mentioned Brendan Clark, and of course he was injured in the spring, so you know he didn't get the opportunities that these other guys got. Does he have any shot? Do you think to get himself in this conversation at least for the number two job, or how, how do you think this is going to work out for Brendan? Well, look, Brendan has the the best arm of any quarterback on the roster. Okay, and when you have the best arm of any quarterback in the roster, you've got a shot. And he's also very athletic. He has a shot. the The problem that Brendan had is he was a pretty raw quarterback to begin with and he now missed two springs yeah. essentially i mean that that's hard for a kid when you when a quarterback depth chart is as talented as it is and you look at brendan clark and say drew pine has more spring experience than brendan clark because you know obviously the the brendan was not an early enrollee i don't believe uh and then of course last spring got canceled because of covid he had one practice but so did drew and then this year brendan was out and drew got all the work you're falling behind some pretty talented quarterbacks, and he's not a guy that, to me, had the advanced feel of the position to allow him to quickly recover. So if the roles were reversed and it was Drew Pine that missed the spring with an injury and Brendan got the experience, I'd be more comfortable in Drew being able to quickly get back on track because he's so smart and so fundamentally sound and he's just so savvy, whereas Brendan's incredibly talented from an arm talent standpoint, athleticism standpoint, but the other parts of the game that can only come from coaching and experience, he's missed out on a ton of it. And it's gonna it, to me, it's going to be hard for him to make that up. But, but just God-given ability when it's that good, yeah, there's a chance that if the light goes on, Brendan Clark's going to be really hard to keep off the field too. And that's what makes it fun. But it also what makes Tommy Reese's job really hard because you can't go more than a, a week of four quarterbacks getting somewhat equal reps. It. it you, you just can't. So he's going to have to make some really quick, tough decisions yeah. that some people aren't going to like. And that's one of the hardest parts about being a coach is when you do have a deep, talented position group. It's Sometimes you almost wish, like, I wish I I wish I had a stud and then a good player, and then after that it was easy. <laughs> <laughs> but then at the end of the day, you're like, no, I think I'm happy with that fact that I have four really talented kids. Right. Now, you talked with Tommy Reese recently. Any, you know, maybe top takeaways from that conversation that you had with him? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the thing is, I thought both coordinators were just really sharp. And I just I really enjoyed the conversation with Coach Reese because, you know, me, Sean, I'm kind of a I like talking ball. And, sure. And it was a really it was a there was a lot of technical stuff there. And you just you just some things that he had mentioned. He talked about how, you know, he does study other teams. And, and I think any smart coach should. They was happy to hear that. I think some coaches kind of get into their own world so much they only focus on what they do. I think the best coaches are always kind of looking around saying, you know, what what's Oklahoma doing that's so effective? What's Bama doing that's so effective? And sometimes you realize like, okay, yeah, it's because they had Devontae Smith. We don't have Devontae Smith. We can't do that. <laughs> and there's something to that. And sometimes it's, hey, I really like that concept, but it doesn't really fit what we do. But maybe if we tweak, you know, tweaked it a little bit this way or we, we added this wrinkle to it, that would fit more of what we do. You always do that. And, I, and that's one of, I mean, that's one of the, my, when I was a coach, one of my favorite things to do is in January when we go down to the coach's clinic, you just sit there you know, dinners or, or, or round tables and different things like that. And you just talk ball. Hey, here's what we do. Well, what, man, we, we, we couldn't get, we couldn't do this against cover two. Well, well, Hey, we beat it against cover two. Cause we did this. And I love that part, but I think that's what good coaches do. It's just a way to keep yourself sharp. He talked about that. I thought that was really important. He talked about the importance of building around the players that they have and being willing to say, hey, here's who we are philosophically, but that's going to maybe be different points of emphasis with the current roster that we have. And, you know, there was a lot of talk about the importance of getting – the big thing for me was the importance of making sure that, this, that the system is such that your most talented players are going to get a chance to play. That, yes, you have to have enough offense to make sure you can have answers for what the defense is going to do, but if, if all that volume means that your, your younger, more talented players aren't able to play, that's not a positive either. Yeah. And that was another very important takeaway for me, especially from that conversation. But, but really, if you haven't listened to it – Go to the Irish Breakdown Facebook or YouTube page because it was a really great interview, and he did – from his standpoint, his answers were really great. <laughs> the question – I'm not saying – I did such a phenomenal job asking right. questions. No, I set him up, and he did a great job. I think you're going to get to see an insight into Coach Reese and to you know, how he thinks and what makes him tick and those type of things, and I thought that's what was so great about that interview is you know fans got to see – uh, you know, just him really get into the weeds of just of, of his knowledge, and it just shows that he's a really, really smart guy. All right. Good deal. You, you talk with Marcus Freeman as well, and I know that a comment that I saw you make, he's got a little bit different philosophy. How would you describe that philosophy? It's just philosophy. more aggressive. It's just more aggressive. I mean, and look, I'm a believer. People ask me, you know, well, is this system better than that system? Well, it just depends. I, I mean, it, does the – I believe you can be successful with a four-two-five, a four-three, a three-three-five. You can be aggressive. You can be, you know, read and react. There's all types of ways to be successful. You just have to figure out what you believe in, and then just coach the heck out of it and get the best players possible to do it. And you know, his his way, Clark Lee's way of doing it worked great, right? And Marcus Freeman's way is just different. And I personally prefer the more aggressive approach. Doesn't make it better, makes it worse. Just personal preference. So I personally like it, but it's going to be a more aggressive defense. We're going to see more multiplicity where coach Lee's defense was kind of, you always knew where the mic was going to be for the most part. You always knew where the will was going to be. You always knew where the Rover was going to be for the most part. And, you know, it wasn't a real complex from a movement standpoint or an alignment mm -hmm. standpoint, but there was a lot of volume into what your responsibilities were. Well, coach Freeman's defense is going to be kind of the opposite. There's not going to be as much volume and responsibility. It's going to be more about, Hey, play fast, be aggressive, but we may see a lot more versatility, more volume from an alignment standpoint. So, you know, they may run the same call, you know, the same pressure call or same run stunt call out of four or five different alignments. Everybody ends up the same place, but it's going to come at it from different ways, which can make it a little bit more challenging for a for an offense to pick up. So 
I think that's those are a couple things that, that I think are going to be quite different uh, from this offense, this defense compared to what we saw from Coach, Coach Lee. Doesn't make it better, doesn't make it worse, just sure. makes it different. All right, Brian Driscoll, IrishBreakdown.com. What's going on right now? Well, I'm actually finishing up now, um, ranking the schedule one through twelve. Okay. Parts uh, team seven through twelve are going to come up, and uh, I'm actually getting ready to write about Navy. I have Navy as the the twelfth team on the schedule. You just think about how far they've come in a short period of time mm-hmm. to where you know they, they were a pretty tough team. They were the only ranked team that Notre Dame beat in 2019, <laughs> and and now they're going to be the twelfth team on my schedule. Man. And uh, it's just been really interesting to see how far they've fallen in a very short period of time. Yeah, that is all right. So you can check that out at Irish Breakdown. Dot com, and we'll be talking to Brian again Thursday when we talk a little Notre Dame football recruiting. Thanks, as always. I will talk to you then. Thanks for having me on, Sean. All right, no problem. Brian Driscoll. Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.